I hope you're all doing well. School has begun. Everybody doing well? All you kids? School's begun. Are you excited about that? Yes? Yes? Some are asleep. Penelope, you're not. Good job. <laughs> you're wide awake and acknowledged me. <laughs> huh? Is that right? Has it been that bad of a day? Okay. All right. Well, very good. It's good to see you guys. All right. That leaves us. Oh man, and we've got some work to do in a, in a passage. Uh, it's good to see you all this morning and, and welcoming you. I love Sunday. I love face-to-face. I'm not fond of computers and that kind of thing, if you know what I mean. So no offense to those who are watching. We're glad you're here with us. Come and join us if you ever can. It's, it's always, uh, man, I, that's my preference anyway. I love, I love the conversations we hold at the beginning and, and the being able to be genuine, you know, to come in the door and say, well, how are you doing? Fine. Or someone will say, not the best. And then let's talk about that, you know, because the reality is a lot of times when we're uh, together, it's not the best day. There's difficulties and hurts and, and other ugliness happening in life. And oh, it is so good to be together. Uh, have you ever felt that way? Coming to church, it's so good to be here after the week I had. Anybody ever feel that way about church? Yeah, yeah. I think we're going to kind of venture into that area about what's good about being together. Uh, we've been going through Acts chapter 9 the past couple of weeks. It's all been Saul. It's all, you know, even, even in that beginning verse talks about, no oh boy, he's, he's breathing murderous threats, you know. He is, he's out to destroy anyone that is caring about or believing in the message that Jesus is the Son of God. He's, he's out to put them in prison and to quiet it. We think he did a pretty good job in Jerusalem. At least we know the church scattered because of what he was doing. And, and now things are going well in Jerusalem. People are imprisoned or has been, been uh, disciplined because of their beliefs. Uh, now he's uh, we also see that he's on his way to Damascus, spreading out his persecution. Before he reached Damascus, he is confronted by Jesus. He's confronted by Jesus, and he's converted. So here he is out to arrest people for speaking about Jesus. And in his conversion, receiving Christ himself, now he is proclaiming Jesus. And we see him doing it in the synagogue. This is the Son of God. Uh, and, and Jesus is that Messiah. Uh, so, so wow, what a transformation. He, he goes into Jerusalem, and, and there he's confronted by the very same people who executed Stephen. They stoned him, and, and so troubles arise there, so they send him off. And, and the place we left him at is, is in Tarsus, his, his hometown. And, and he, is, he is proclaiming the gospel in, in the areas of Cilicia and Syria. That's, that's what we've seen so far in 9. The, the final verse is really important. And I'm going to repeat it. I read it last week. I'm going to read it again. But here's, here's where the church is before we enter into the passage that we're reading today. The church is at verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace. The church had peace. No more arrest. No more threats. They had freedom once again. They had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It multiplied. 
We're, again, we're still in this uh, taking root, watching the very beginnings of the church, the excitement that's going on, uh, and, and even the troubles, and how even in through the troubles, the church is multiplying. It's spreading, and, and good things are happening, and God's in charge. Absolutely, God's in charge. Through Christ, through His Holy Spirit, we see it all. Uh, we're going to read verses 32 through 43. We're going to finish up chapter, chapter 9. And I'll, I'll tell you that... Uh, uh, before we do this, the topic of healing comes up again, so as, as we've seen. Miraculous signs and wonders, correct? We, we've seen it happening. The day of Pentecost, the speaking in tongues. We've, we've seen uh, the man at the gate, uh, the lame man was healed, jumped up and did some rejoicing, amazed people. And, and absolutely, the, the miracles that were being uh, seen by people were, were doing exactly what God intended. People were coming and listening and taking the message for truth, accepting the message of truth that was being preached, and more and more people were coming. Now, what we're going to be seeing here is Peter. Peter is, is, is out, and he's doing ministry. He's heading to a town. I'll just tell you now. He's in Jerusalem, but northwest, heading northwest, there's a city of Lydda. It's going to be mentioned. And also Joppa. He's there doing ministry. And also in that region, Sharon, when it mentions uh, Sharon, Sharon is a region where Joppa is also included. So all that territory is going to be mentioned in, in what we're about to read. I also want to say this. The focus of, of our passage is going to go back into the, the miraculous acts, miraculous healing. There, there's a miraculous healing and, and raising from the dead. And I think it's important for us to, to look at that today. I will tell you before we read this passage so you could listen and maybe even compare some of the thoughts. Uh, what we see in this passage, what we're about to read enacted in this passage, uh, is it does in no way represent the faith healers of today. What, there, there's a, a big difference, a number of differences in, in the faith healers that you see on TV. One, one big difference is, is those guys on TV are patting their pockets with lots of riches. And I don't think that was the response of any of the apostles. I don't think that they were receiving fame and fortune for the healing that we see taking place in Acts. Are you with me on that? Understand? But we do have the question of, of miraculous healing today, and that's going to be hanging out there. But, but let's read this passage, and then we'll walk through this. Uh, we'll begin at verse 32. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. And immediately Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About that time, she became sick and died. And her body was washed and placed in the upper room, upstairs room. Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men to him and urged him, Please come at once. Peter went with them. 
And when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by the hand and helped her to, to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. And that's the end of, of chapter 9. Within this passage, there really is a, a very simple message that, that I'm I'm focused upon, but we're going to mingle it with some of the heaviness or, or, or the difficulties of dealing with the miraculous part. But the simple message that, that we see taking place, matter of fact, let me, let me take it here. What we see as the primary focus of the church so far, in the very beginnings of the church has been this. It is about Jesus, his death and resurrection. And what it means to you, it means forgiveness, it is the declaration of that gospel message. And people are coming to know him. That is the primary focus of the church. We see that. Up, up to chapter 9, that's what we've been seeing. But along with that, the church, as, as the church is building and growing, it is not neglected in that that's, that is the primary purpose. Uh, what Peter is doing is ministering in these pages. Ministry continues to happen. Here's the point, I, I think. I don't want us to miss over all the heaviness we have elsewhere. But the point is, ministry continues to happen amongst the people of the church. Ministry continues to happen. We continue to have needs, and, and, and ministry happens. Praying for each other uh, when, when there's difficulties we're facing. It is to shoulder up next to each other. And we're finding this place is a place of ministry as well for those who've already come to know Jesus. I think that's important. Sometimes we feel like, man, we focus way too much time on that and not our primary purpose. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this. If we're doing ministry well and, 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 and helping one another through this thing of life and walking with Jesus then that promotion of Jesus, that promotion of that gospel message is going to hit throughout the community. It's going to be helpful. It's going to be strengthening overall to the church. Here's, so, so basically the church continues to minister to believers is, is a point that, that I want to make in this. The first point is this, and it's going to be stemmed off that. Here's a couple of truths. The first truth is this, for those faced with health crisis... And we've had health crises over this past year, numerous. Even in the beginning of this year, there are people we've been praying for. For those who are faced with those things, we should look for healing. Simple, simple message. We, we should be looking for healing. Well, ministry. Here's, here's what Peter was doing in our passage. He was ministering. He went to Lydda for the purpose of visiting those who, who were from the Lord. Those who are in Jesus. He went to the paralytic, and he, and he meets up with a paralytic, and there's healing that takes place. And also, it wasn't necessarily for Tabitha's, Tabitha's sake, but it was for the disciples who came and said, come quickly. Come quickly to Joppa. And, and there he's presented with a lady and 
raised her from the dead. I, I want to make a point. What I said earlier about it, there is such a big difference. Uh, in both of these, a paralytic who's, who's been laying on his back for eight years and a lady who's dead, this cannot be faked or fabricated. Are you with me on that? This can't be faked or fabricated or something that we can't examine or see. I, I've never seen in, in faith healing things where someone is even wheeled up on the stage and then they walk without stumbling or anything else with completely restored legs. That's the kind of healing we see in the New Testament. That's the kind of healing we see in the book of Acts as well. Now, the question is, let's get into this miracle thing. Uh, do we believe that miracles uh, miracles happen or even miraculous healing is possible today do we as a church believe that and I say absolutely and why would we believe that because our God is able remember that phrase isn't that true we look at the word and we think about what he's done throughout history our God is able our God is absolutely able let me, let me take you through and, and just imagine the power of our God. I mean, he created the beginning of all things. It, it speaks in Genesis of how he created, how he spoke the words. And, and it, the world came into being. I mean, the stars, every, everything that we know and, and, and are able to perceive or see in our lives, we could say that's, that's our God. He's created. There's evidence all around us of his power because of his creation. We also know him within the scriptures within the Old Testament, within the New Testament. I especially identify our day along with what it says in Psalm chapter 77, verse 11. Here the psalmist is kind of repeating the things that's happened in the past. He says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. You know, what's he doing and, and what is he thinking about? If we continue to read 77, he is referring back to the nation uh, that, that he's a part of, that nation of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It began from the promises of God, but in that book of Exodus, we see an amazing increase of God's miraculous activity taking place. Why? Because God is establishing his kingdom, the promises he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so what does he do? He chooses a man, and the figure in all this, that we might even call him the Savior, is Moses. He sends Moses to, 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 to be used, uh, that God's going to use him to what? Uh, to save those who are oppressed in Egypt, his people. And, and then we begin to see the miracles happen, 10 of them, 10 plagues performed out. And amongst the Egyptians, guess what? They're finding out the God of Israel is the true God through every, every one. And it took 10 plagues for Pharaoh to finally concede and say, you take your people. You take your people. But it wasn't just amongst the Egyptians that they realized that. The, the people of Israel were amazed as well. Being able to hold the miracles that, that took place in, in their rescue from Egypt. And then, then Moses took them, led them up to the Red Sea, parted the waters because Egypt's you know, army was after them. Pharaoh's army is after him, and they walked across dry ground. Man, he's establishing a kingdom, and, a, and ought to be establishing a confidence in God in this, right? And, and then he led this nation, thousands of people into the desert, and they survived it. How? 
miracle after miracle. Water from a rock, you know, food provided, both bread and then later on meat. And it, it continues on through Old Testament of, of all the way up until they're, they're settled into that promised land. They crossed, crossed the Jordan River on dry ground, took down the walls of Jericho through amazing, miraculous circumstances. God was the God of Israel, and he proved himself over and over again. And then the psalmist comes in and he writes, oh my goodness, the wonders. Uh, I remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I, I will remember the wonders of old. He's kind of looking back and saying, wow, what God did to make us a nation. Today, I feel like we say the same thing. Wow, what God has done to make us his people. What God has done to make us his people. What, is he, what would we be talking about? We're not looking back at Moses. We're looking back at Jesus, Right? God's provision for salvation and how he came and how he is identified. He came with such miracles, right? And, and here he's a savior. He's, he's saving the oppressed as well. Those who are oppressed by the demons, those who are oppressed by sickness or death. Uh, he's doing it all. Walking on the water, the elements. He is absolutely proving himself to be the son of God in his miracles. And, and, of course, the ultimate, the ultimate act was upon the cross where he has given, even to this day, uh, the ability for us to become people of his kingdom because through his blood we've realized the freedom from our sinfulness. He has freed us from our sinfulness. That's the reason he came, Right? That's the ultimate reason he came, to, to deal with that curse of death and sickness and, 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 and to, to deal, with, deal with it absolutely. And that was the sin that we've all been entangled in, right? And then the church. Jesus died, was raised from the dead, and then we watched the church. The very beginnings, the power of the church in which it started. Now, and, and there was the miraculous signs that began. I mean, they were speaking in tongues, and, and there was the healing. We already mentioned those things. And, and, and the apostles seemed to be in, focused around them, the signs and wonders that continued, that drew people, and they listened, and they watched. And, and even Philip, in chapter 8 and verse 6, it, it mentions there that, that he, too, uh, was involved in signs and wonders. And, and people were drawn to listen to the gospel. Well, what about those miracles? What, what were they for? Miracles, miracles verified the truth of the scriptures. Or I should say miracles verified the truth of the salvation that came through Jesus. For, for Saul, it identified that Jesus is the Son of God. Those miracles that were being performed. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 3 and 4. I want, want to look at that passage. You know, here again, um, this writer of Hebrews, here's how he starts. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And then he goes in to explain it. This salvation was declared at first by the Lord, speaking of Jesus. It was first declared by Jesus himself. And it was attested to us by those who heard those apostles, those ones that he spent all that time with. While God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles. So as, as, as these men 
were, had the opportunity to, to begin the church. In the proclamation came these miracles that verified or drew, even drew people to listen to the message. And people were coming to believe. I, we have to say this. That God is still working in the world today. God is still working in the world today. Is he working in the same way? I don't think so. Where's Peter? You know, where are those apostles? Where's the individual who's going to be open and honest about when it comes to healing? Where, where is that? Not the individual who's filling his bank account with riches and, and finding a place of fame for himself. That's not what the healing was. Remember, the, the focus was upon that gospel message. Ultimately, I'd say we, we, we have this opportunity when we're faced with difficulties that we have a hope because our God is able. Bottom line, is, is it good for us to, to seek healing? Well, we can because our God is able. Now, connected with that is this second point I want to make that I believe is within this passage. Where Jesus is actively working, people will be drawn to him. Where Jesus, is, is, where, where Jesus could be seen, even, even in the book of Acts, and it came through Peter, where he kneels next to the paralytic and says, Christ heals you. Or, or prays before the woman who, who died, and, and she opens her eyes after he prays and says, you know, wake up, or get up, uh, and, and she does, and she follows. Peter absolutely emulates Jesus in both of these, these instances. Remember the paralytic through the roof where Jesus tells him, oh, get up and, and make your bed or roll up your mat anyway and, and, and walk, you know. And, and so Peter did the same thing. He said, oh, you know, get up, make your bed or roll up your mat that he's been on for eight years. And, and then when it came to the, the, the woman or Tabitha in the upper room, uh, there's, there's just certain things that he did that reminds me of Jesus. Uh, it came to Jairus' daughter where Jesus went in and had everybody leave the room. And then just in all simplicity, asked Tabitha, took her by the hand and lifted her up, and, and she was alive again. Peter, man, is, is an instrument of what God is doing. And that's where our trust and confidence comes from. What about gifts of healing today? Obviously, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about gifts of healing. There is those who, who have are gifted with healing. Who are they? Who are they? What does that look like? There's, there's one group of people. I know that they have a group of healing. They're called mamas. <laughs> are you sure? You know, when the toddler or something cries and no one could comfort them except mom, and, and, and almost... Immediately, the calming down begins, and they're able to, to tend to the wounds. There's, there's something like that working today in many people, I believe, that are gifted. They're gifted with compassion and with care, and uh, they're the kind of people that, that uh, you, you just, I want you to pray for me. That people who have this gift of healing aren't equipped with anything else except prayer, with a faith and prayer. And they bring those things before God. There are those who are trained. They're also gifted. I think there's nurses and doctors who are drawn to that. 
possibly what God has put within them, you know, if they're believers. I, I do know there's differences in surgeons. I've, I've had some, a couple of times, at least twice, I've had someone tell me before their surgery that the surgeon came in and prayed with them. That, that they prayed, that they can, God bless and, and strengthen, and, and Lord, just may, may you direct my hands in this surgery. What kind of comfort is that? If you are facing some kind of a serious surgery, that the surgeon came in and prayed with you, you might say, we're on the same page. We're in the same page. Not only is you know, he's trained for this, but also he's a, he's a person of God. So I do believe that, that, that through doctors, through physicians, especially those who are gifted through God, man, I want them to, to, to be treating me. Are you with me on that? That makes that make a, a sense, any sense? Especially those who would come along and, and, and preach or, 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 or not preach. I mean, pray with you. Yeah. Pray with you. You don't want to hear a sermon before your surgery. Uh, anyway, uh, what is the means of pursuing? What is the means of pursuing healing today? What would we say? It begins with prayer. I know you know that. When troubles come, what do we do? Where, where do we turn to? Sometimes the shame is we don't turn there immediately. Maybe we try some other things or we set up appointments. But a lot of us, when troubles come and presents itself, we say, God, help. Maybe it's that simple. God, be with us through this. Or if, if, if it's someone in the family, man, we begin praying right away. And matter of fact, let's get back to that place of being the church. It says in the scriptures that we are to pray for one another, to lift up each other. And that means sharing Requests and I know many requests go out from you and, and written down on those those or even spoken to us that we turn into a group of ladies who get together just to pray on Tuesday morning. Ever since I've been here, Tuesday morning there's been a group of ladies, new faces by now, but there's still consistently a group of ladies who pray over those requests. They don't just pray over them; they jot them down in their notebooks and they're looking back and say, "Well, how is?" and they check about. And they send out cards and say, man, we're praying for you. you know, God's working through those ladies as, as they, they pray as well. We, we looked at, I mean, we're putting our dependence upon God. So prayer is a part of it. There's also a passage of scripture that calls us to prayer. It, it's found in uh, James chapter 5, 13 through 15. It also includes the leadership of the church. Listen to what it says. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15 goes on to say, and, and healing will come. You know, that's that's, that's a, a resource for us as well, that we could go to the elders and, and ask for that. We've done that uh, upon request. Elders have gotten together and pray. And it's just what James has laid out for the church to do. When it comes down to it, it comes to a place of where's our faith, where's our dependence upon God when troubles comes. Uh, are we waiting for an, an instantaneous healing? Uh, yeah, I think that's okay. God, man, I, I think I've prayed that a number of times. God, if it's your will, heal this person. 
Heal them of their sickness. Heal them of the cancer that they're facing. Different things like that. It's okay. Lift it up before God. I mean, we're, we're going to bring our request before him. But along with the prayer for healing, this is so important, comes the, the prayer for faith. Strengthen them in their faith. Strengthen them in what they're facing and what we find in, in James chapter 1, verse 2, where it says, and I know I've repeated this several times, but we're, you know, there, there's actually joy when we face trials of many kinds. What? Because it's opportunity for us to be stretched and to grow in our relationship with God. Perseverance, that area of faith of trusting God, no matter what, I'm going to be faithful to God. I'm going to trust you. You are good, God, even in the circumstances that I might be facing or my family member might be facing, right? I want to share this. We, we all know this story. If we're part of this church, we've heard this over and over again. It's been a major part of our praying as a congregation and many believers throughout Junction City. It's Riley Yost, right? Riley Yost, who last year, I think last summer, were all the beginnings of, of finding out that she had leukemia. Well, dad here is not going to be shaken by that, or mom is going to be shaken uh, by by that kind of news. I was talking to Rich and he was sharing that with me. Everything that I could relate to, I said, man, if, if that happened to Lindsay or Teresa, what it would have done to me, it would have shaken my very foundation. The things of, of fear, the things of, of uh, absolute anger, angry and, and just, what do I do kind of thing, right? And, and we were having that conversation. He was saying, man, I was going through some of those things. And he said in that, he, he asked Riley a question. He said, Riley, are you angry with God? Riley's response was this, oh, no, Daddy. I could never be angry with God. God only gives us what he knows we can handle. What is Riley going into fourth grade? Is that right? Fourth grade little girl. What did Jesus say? What did Jesus say about a faith of a child? Oh, man, that's the kind of faith that you and I ought to have. That preaches, let me tell you, that preaches, that, that represents Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. Do we have Peter or apostles who could come and do amazing? No, but what are we left with? Hey, we have a foundation that's been established in the story that we have. It is about a Savior who came, who died upon the cross to take our sinfulness. And let me tell you what, that foundation is worth standing upon, isn't it? It is solid. It is firm. And I want to lay my faith upon that foundation. Not upon experiences. Not upon anything else. I'm going to trust God who sent Jesus. And, and, and when it comes to difficulties in this life, guess what? We ought to all be involved in this. Praying for one another. Uh, encouraging one another. Through the difficulties, are we going to get frustrated and angry? Uh, absolutely. And we need the church around us to say, stay faithful. God is good. Even through the most difficult of circumstances. I'm looking at Roxy and I, I remembered something. You know, the, the thing of Tabitha being raised... 
You know, here's the thought that came to my mind in that, that there's a couple of precious ladies uh, who over the years I've been in relationship, they are so precious to me and to so many in the congregation. It was Dulcie Haslett and and Marge Ingmeyer, wonderful ladies who love the Lord. Oh my goodness, they love the Lord. And as they, they were up in age, they, I remember Dulcie sitting over on this side. It was a funeral. And she looked up to the person in the coffin, and she leaned over to me and said, I'm jealous. You know what I mean? The bodies are wearing out, and hurts are coming. She lost a precious man who was a, a wonderful husband to her. He's gone. He, she still has grandchildren and children that she is loving every day. She has that opportunity, but she's ready to go home. And Marge was the same way. I sat next to her in a wheelchair, her husband gone. Life was just, you know, just deteriorating around her. Couldn't help it. She still had a heart that was pure and good. And she says, I'm looking forward to going home. I'm looking forward to going home. Could you imagine if we had Peter here today and he raised either one of those ladies, the tongue lashing that they would receive? (laughs) What did you bring me back here for? I don't want you to forget. I do believe that Tabitha had to be younger, you know, must have been. But it was for the church's sake they brought her back. You know, she'd have to die again. But what did Jesus do upon the cross? Think about it. Think about it. Oh, yeah, we're going to go through troubles. And in each of us here, man, who are we going to be praying for through this coming year? What news are we going to get? The, the question is, are we as a church going to be faithful and true to him? Because he is good, period. And, 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 and he, is, he, is, he is absolutely amazing uh, to, to know that, that we could claim him as our father, that we are his children. That is amazing. Here's, here's where I turn to a lot of times. Jesus came ultimately to defeat the oppression of our sinfulness. Praise God for that. That's who we are. That's, that's how we become his people. And, and in the great conclusion of things, we look at Re- Revelation chapter 21. The great conclusion when, when everything comes together and, and his kingdom is brought together. What does he say in verse 4 except this? He will wipe away every tear from our eyes or from their eyes. He's got to have a big box of tissues, right? He's going to wipe away every pain, every hurt that we've ever experienced in this life, every bad news, everything that we've lifted up in prayer, and, and, and we see, God, that's not exactly what I was praying for. That's going a different direction. What do you have planned? But we're here, and, and the ultimate is going to be when he is going to wipe away your tears, the suffering that you've felt in this world. It goes on to say, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things has passed away. The corruption, the corruption of sinfulness is gone. The the curse is gone. It's defeated by a Savior who went to the cross on our behalf and then defeated death right there and then. We're all going to really realize that someday. Do we understand that? That's why you're here to worship, isn't it? That's why we're here to worship, even through the difficult, even the heaviness that you have today upon your heart that you're dealing with. Whatever it might be, it might not even be sickness, it might be other troubles. 
that God is good, He is faithful, He is able. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we praise you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the message. We look back and we say, God, we praise you for that time when you sent your son into this world, how it has affected our lives. It's not a story that we just talk about. It is, it is exactly what you brought to us that we could embrace that very death of Jesus as our own and the blood covering us to bring us to that place of forgiveness, to your place of mercy and that place of grace. We thank you so much for Jesus. I pray for this congregation, Lord. We know the hurts that we've been through. And, and Lord, we give you praises because we know you're working in miraculous ways in this world today. We know that you continue to work. And it's not through, it's not through foolish men and women who, who uh, are taking advantage and actually make a mockery out of you, Lord. But it's out of faithful people who come and know that the, the only place to turn to is, is you that come to you in prayer. We praise you, Father, for what you've been working in this world, the, the things that we are able to see and know that it had to be you. So, Lord, we, we are faithful and know that, that there are things that's happening in this world that's directed by you. And, and, Lord, we just pray that in every day that our responsibility is to continue to build our relationship with you, learning about you, trusting you, and putting our confidence in a, into you as a God who is able. We love you, Lord, and we praise you always for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.